When Adrian Mitchell became Macy's chief financial officer in November 2020, he focused firmly on the company's future. Because the present, for department stores in general, seemed bleak. Macy's was in a position where they had really gone through a pretty tough period in 2020. But as we approached the back half of 2020, the question was, what are we going to be? Where are we going to go? Adrian stepped into this role after a period of many years of department stores struggling. And I think he moved into the seat right at a point when investors were really questioning viability. I would say that the, the depths of the, the negative sentiment were kind of right at the moment that Adrian stepped in. It was a uh, student body left. I mean, everyone realized they couldn't continue to operate the way they were. The primary mission became survival. The time was right for transformation. Looking beyond the immediate COVID crisis, Mitchell saw that the iconic retailer needed to drive forward with a fresh approach. We had the opportunity to really define who we are and who we want to become, to really think about the path to recovery and how we're gonna actually do that in a different way, and really challenge ourselves on the kinds of things that we lived with pre-pandemic as a legacy department store. That's exactly what CEO Jeff Gannett brought him in to achieve. Because he's just a great strategist. He sees behind the corners, he sees opportunities, and he's just been a wizard at, at really looking at our capital allocation and restoring our balance sheet and investing in the business. Well, the automation worked pretty well. It exceeded our expectations by about 20 to 30% in terms right. of throughput, which was very good. He's a great communicator. He's really clear. You know, he's, he's the, the clarity of his messaging, the sequence of how he describes it, and that works as well for the investor as it does for the internal colleague. Having the right CFO was really instrumental in us making kind of the accelerated, you know, steps that we have made towards what we're now doing. And so there's a new Macy's emerging, and that's what we're really excited about. Macy's hadn't been aware of the need for change. In February 2020, the company rolled out Polaris, a three-year growth and profitability strategy. Among the goals, to reset Macy's cost base, accelerate digital growth, modernise its supply chain and optimise its store portfolio. And then in March 2020, the best laid plans of retailers across the US were upended by the COVID pandemic. Yes, we did introduce Polaris at the beginning of the pandemic. We had to kind of step back as we we're going through the pandemic and say, what's changed? How important is value? How important is convenience? Polaris was always based on how we needed to transform. And so we really were always gonna be digitally led. Well, we had to pivot much stronger to digital through the pandemic, and I'm, thank goodness we did that. Macy's digital sales as a share of revenue rose to 44% at the height of COVID spread at the end of 2020. And while the percentage share dropped as stores reopened in 2021, gross digital revenue in the second quarter was up almost half from the same quarter in 2019. But a funny thing happened while the pivot was in process. When we went into 2021, our thesis was that digital will continue to remain strong and stores will probably have a real tough time. What we saw is that stores really rebounded and digital didn't miss a beat. As soon as those vaccine shots started going into people's arms, those feet started going right back into the retail destinations that they knew and loved. And I think it reinforced one fact for us about American culture, that shopping is entertainment. 
In 2020, U.S. retailers closed over a thousand more department stores than they opened. But those closures slowed dramatically in 2021. Macy's still has stores slated to shutter in 2022 under its Polaris plan, but has said it may delay. When you shed real estate, you shed customers. You're firing customers when you lose a store. Having stores really amplifies what you do in digital. Having an app connects all of it. You know, customers are doing research, they're doing price checking, they're checking with influencers, they're putting things on their social feeds. They're figuring out ways to be able to use technology to understand what works for them. And brands better be there. We continue to be very impressed with the relevance of stores. Yeah. You know, all the math indicates that markets do best and customers are most productive when they shop multiple channels. When we think about our store portfolio, it's about repositioning that distribution channel. We're looking at ways to really make our mall-based stores more relevant. A lot of that is around fulfillment services within those bigger boxes. But the real unlock is new store growth in this off-mall format. Mm -hmm. And so you think about a 30 to 50,000 square foot box that historically has been 200,000 square feet or bigger, where you have a simplified experience, high velocity sell-through, great engagement, clear sight lines across all the categories, and power centers where, are in the neighborhoods in convenient locations where customers live and shop. It's really exciting and we're in the early innings of that. It's very clear that all retailers will have both bricks and mortar present and e-commerce presence. Even Amazon, the ultimate e-commerce retailer, increasingly has bricks and mortar present. It's very clear that this was what, what was going to happen. And in a way, we have to keep in mind though, that is a ticket to play, but it's not a ticket to win. Wall Street seems to endorse the tack Macy's is taking. Shares have rallied since Mitchell became CFO in November 2020, and that mirrors the trend for department stores in general, which were one of the highest performing groups in retail in 2021. I think that the market got proven a bit wrong, that these aren't dying and decaying dinosaurs, right? That these actually still have a relevant place in the broader ecosystem of retail, and to the credit of the department stores, in particular Macy's and Kohl's, they activated some really important changes in their business. The whole notion of Polaris strategy at the core from my perspective is how do we unlock value for our shareholders? The biggest thing that we had to accomplish in 2021 was financial health. You know, the economy is gonna have its ups and downs, but we needed to make sure that we had the financial health, the strength of the balance sheet to be able to weather the, that storm. And that's where we are today. And now we have capacity to return value back to shareholders in the form of dividend and share buybacks. How did you decide, right, this is the right moment to be paying back debt? How did you ensure that the money was there, the right opportunity, the right financing to pay down that debt when was necessary? There are three key steps. The first is, do we have a strategy coming out of the pandemic going into 2021 that's gonna work? And so we have to listen to the customer and make sure that we have the right strategy. Executing the wrong strategy doesn't get you much. Mm -hmm. So we had to execute the right strategy. The second thing was a relentless focus on margin expansion. Whatever the level of sales that we needed uh, or expected to have in 2021, it had to come with a much more profitable business than we had seen in 2020 and certainly even pre-pandemic. And then the third thing is you gotta control inventory. Yes. You cannot be a successful retail business by having inventory get out of control. But as we got into the first half of 2021, we also had to make some bets. Yes. We saw demand exceeding our expectations. We also saw COVID variants disrupting our supply chain. And we made the bet, give it to us early. Mm -hmm. And that really has paid off for us.
you know, we took all of that cash flow, we got, we restored our balance sheet, we made further investments, and we now as a company are stronger, you know, out of the pandemic than we were going into it. Macy's continues to hold the lead in market share among US retailers, but Chief Future Officer, Adrian Mitchell, is under no illusions. The road ahead is not going to be easy. Supply chain challenges, we believe it's gonna be prolonged into 2022 and to 2023. Labor challenges, we have to win talent. We have to fight for talent. We are making investments. But that's just, we, our mindset is that's the new normal. That's not a disruption. That's the new normal for the near term and the medium term. Our mindset is continuous improvement, new ways of working, fresh ideas that are relevant for the future, and letting go of the things that may have worked in the past but are no longer relevant, but that we may have been willing to live with pre-pandemic. We're not willing to live with it today. Adrian Mitchell's route to the CFO position at Macy's had unconventional beginnings. I studied chemical engineering at Louisiana State University. I uh, had a great experience. And one of the things I loved about that was just problem solving. And what I also realized is that I didn't want to be a chemical engineer. He took a job at McKinsey after college, stepping away for a couple of years to earn an MBA at Harvard. You know, when I think about the Harvard Business School experience, what was most impactful about that was translating the engineer, engineer's mindset on problem solving into a business context. So that was a really magical experience. But I think some of my most formative years were really at McKinsey, where I had the opportunity to, for the vast majority of that experience, work with clients on large-scale transformation in the consumer space. And when I joined my first retail study, game over. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah. Absolutely loved it. It was tangible, it was real but it was also ripe for opportunity. His first operational opportunity came at Target, where he led a redesign of the company's digital and mobile platforms. From there, it was on to the C-suite at Crate & Barrel as CFO, with a stint as interim CEO as well, followed by a tour as CEO of furniture and home decor retailer, Our House. And then the seasoned leader took his talents back to consulting as a managing director and partner at Boston Consulting Group. I really created a space for myself at BCG, which was really at the intersection of retail operations and digital data and advanced analytics. And then Macy's comes knocking. When a brand, an iconic brand like Macy's comes calling and the opportunity to reimagine a 162-year-old business to be relevant for the next decade plus, what a great challenge. There's no better place to explore how Macy's is meeting that challenge than inside its flagship store in New York's Herald Square. The building dates back to 1902, but Adrian Mitchell sees it as fresh territory. We're investing a lot in a lot of different capabilities and features that makes the in-store shopping experience that much easier, that much more compelling, whether it's price check, browsing inventory in this store, so that we can really make that experience as convenient and as simple as possible. Convenient, simple, that's sort of what people have needed in the age of COVID. Yeah. Is that here to stay or do we go back when finally we all hope that the pandemic will be behind us in some way? Do our changing shopping habits go back again? What's really interesting about retail in my 20 plus experience is that convenience never reverts itself. Mm -hmm. Now, the form of convenience has shifted, whereas, say, in 2000 to 2010, a lot of convenience was driven by more stores nearby. Mm. Now it's stores in addition to digital. Yeah. There's nothing closer than the phone in your hand. 
And there's so many more touch points. There's social shopping, there's curbside pickup, there's at your service, there's on your phone shipped to home. This real estate does not come cheap, but it's integral, right? It's integral. You know, the physical footprint is integral to Macy's success as an omnichannel retailer. For all of Macy's focus on convenience and simplicity, there's no decline in variety. While women's shoes, accessories, cosmetics and apparel have traditionally led the company's revenue mix, there's a commitment to expand into new categories. Case in point, the pet department, where Chief Merchandising Officer Natad Veer joined us. One of the things that we observed in the pandemic is that customers were giving us permission to sell a lot more than what we traditionally have as a Macy's department store. And so as we think about the opportunity for us to extend into toys and extensions and hair care and other parts, Pets was clearly an act, a category that's large and growing. We're really focused on bringing in the millennial mom and all the things that they're shopping for, and many times those families also have pets. How do you know the best way in which to do it from a financial perspective, which is, do I build this wholeheartedly organically? Do we partner? What are those sorts of conversations like? Well, we do a lot of research, and there's some experimentation and there's some bets. I think the thing that's exciting for us is you have to invest in R&D. You have to invest in experimentation. And so having that strong financial performance to make these choices, make these bets, gives us that flexibility. Pets has done well. Also doing well, the revamped toy department, buttressed by a partnership with Toys R Us. It launched in August as a store within a store. They are expanding into categories that are part of that fluency exercise within Omnichannel, and toys is a great example of that. The investments that we're making, that Adrian was really helpful to help figure out how we support and how we really invest in a category that will take years to kind of really drive the type of volume that we're looking for it to drive, um, starts with a big investment. And so that's what I'm excited about is the investment in the future of toys starts now, and we start reaping those benefits over the years to come. One of the most important functions of Macy's stores isn't obvious to customers. They're becoming fulfillment and distribution centers, hubs for shipping and pickup that lower the costs and increase efficiency across the business. We have all these stores across the country with a lot of real estate. How do we use a portion of that real estate in order to be in market with the product to reduce the distance that a product has to travel, which means they get it faster? The idea of shipping from a distant fulfillment center in the middle of a warehouse district is just not as efficient and certainly not as fast as it needs to be in an environment today where customers expect greater speed. Mm -hmm. And we have to do it economically because so many customers want low or free shipping. So we really did it through brute force prior, um, but now we're being much more deliberate in using lean processes and Six Sigma and technology tools and better information to make this process rival the efficiency of what you would see in an upstream fulfillment center. Some of the merchandise here is marked for in-store and curbside pickup. And that touch point, so critical in an omni-channel world, is getting a makeover. So this is the reimagined view of our at-your-service. Given the categories that we're in, we have a number of returns, particularly through digital purchases, that come back to the store. So it's really important for us to be able to have an at-your-service counter that's fast, that's efficient, that allows a customer to come in very seamlessly. But it's also your pickup spot for your buy online pickup in store offer. So last year, as we were going through the recovery, we invested in a number of stores to be able to kind of reimagine what this experience looks like. And just percentage-wise, how many customers use this? 
hundreds of thousands of customers that would use this every year. The reality is that creating a seamless experience for returns is critical. You know, a large part of our business is apparel and apparel by its very nature is a business that has a high return rate and those returns come back to our stores. So making sure the seamless, efficient experience is available in every store is really critical for customer engagement, customer loyalty, making returns easy is a really important dimension of that. In March 2021, Saks Fifth Avenue split into two units as parent company Hudson Bay spun off its e-commerce division from its bricks and mortar business. Since then, other retailers like Kohl's, Neiman Marcus and Nordstrom have reportedly been mulling similar moves. In October, Macy's was urged by activist hedge fund Jana Partners to consider a split. The company has hired a consulting firm to help analyze its options. Well, this financial re-engineering step is being driven by a fundamental truth that the internet business in many of these bricks and mortars is a pretty darn good business and maybe has a growing and strong e-commerce business. So these businesses could theoretically carry higher multiples than the company as a whole. And the fundamental question you, you have to ask is, will the market actually do that over the long term? Or will they simply value the e-commerce business very highly and then you know, value the uh, what remains, the remain co at a very low value. And we end up averaging out where you started to begin with. Nobody knows the answer to that. These are companies that have spent the last 15 years integrating two disparate businesses and really honoring the consumer in finding one company, one Macy's, one Kohl's. And so now to have two separate entities and to have a spider web of transaction service agreements and try to maintain some degree of integrity in that consumer experience, there are some very serious risks. On all scenarios, the customer experience cannot be disrupted. The customer experience has to be respected whether the synergies are frictional costs of operating separate businesses with intercompany agreements. And we also have to also understand the execution risk because the key thing is we have to be agile in the way that we actually navigate the business. It's constantly changing. Adrian Mitchell isn't just navigating change, he's driving it. I asked Macy's chief future officer what he sees when he looks ahead. Where do you see Macy's from your perspective as CFO in 10 years time? In 10 years time, we will be a business that is highly relevant, very much digitally led, with a distribution model of physical assets around the country more than what you see today. And we're excited about that. It's all about customer relevancy. Mm -hmm. And so continuing to listen to the customer, think about different ways that the customer is gonna be shopping is really important. We have to let go of the traditional legacy department store habits and evolve with the customer in a way that's productive and profitable and good for our shareholders. Are those backward-looking habits the challenge? Or what other challenges do you see in the next 10 years that maybe I, keep you up? I think the biggest challenge is pace. Uh -huh. It's really pace. If you think about the level of disruption that we see in retail, we've been living with this for 10 years and the pace just continues to move faster. In addition, consumer expectations are evolving and elevating and changing as fast, if not faster. And so as a management team, the notion of a five-year strategy doesn't really exist anymore. You have to be responsive in the moment. You have to know directionally where you're going, but you may need to shift left or right, add a few things to the, to the strategy, take some things out, make some adjustments as you go. And that's the agility that Jeff and I and the management team have been doing with Polaris. 
We're constantly challenging the assumptions of our strategy. We're constantly making adjustments. But most importantly, our test, learn, deploy mentality has to prove out that the strategies we're pursuing are working. How are you adjusting your own role? How will the role of a CFO change in the next 10 years, do you think? Yeah, I've, I strongly believe that a CFO has to look around the corner. Mm -hmm. A CFO has to think not only about the finances and the capital allocation, but also about the strategy, about getting to know the operation. The thing that I encourage my teams and my colleagues within finance to do is get into the supply chain. Yes. Walk the store. Work with the digital team to understand what they're doing on the website. Click. You have to understand the operation in order to actually manage capital allocation effectively. So when we think about our role in finance, it's really being shoulder to shoulder with the operators and also engaged in having a seat at the table when it comes to the strategy. That way we can deploy capital most efficiently and effectively to maximize return. Is digital the new skill set that a CFO needs as well? I think it's more data science. Mm -hmm. It's analytics. Being able to understand um, all the permutations and scenarios that can happen operationally and financially and being able to help the organization create a system that can actually move with agility. Simple example, um, when you think about our technology platform, if you think about our history, we have a dated technology platform that's highly fragmented. Should we invest in simplifying our technology stack? Absolutely yes. It may not have the financial ROI as investing in digital marketplace or enhanced experiences or small format, but strategically, you can't compete with agility if you've got to deal with fragmented systems that yeah. take too long to get information and make better decisions. So we're simplifying our data architecture to be able to create that agility for the operating business to generate great results. That kind of strategic and operational mindset is going to be necessary to get the numbers to work and for the returns to be there. So your piece of advice to someone who's about to take on the role of a CFO. Yes. What would it be? get to know the business and challenge the strategy. Mm -hmm. Do you, if you put yourself in the role of the consumer, believe that that strategy is what's gonna make you more profitable for that business, more engaged, shop more frequently, and choose that company over the competition and get into the operation. There's lots of opportunities in the operation. Basic things like the store is staffed appropriately, inventory is in the right place, the basics of retail still matter. The fundamentals still matter. You have to execute well on the fundamentals to create the capacity in the room to be able to invest in innovation. Innovation married to execution. That's Adrian Mitchell's calling card, and it's his formula for guiding Macy's into a bright future. I'm Caroline Hyde. This is Bloomberg.